0: Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers and thieves. Welcome to the Boston podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, if you want your own podcast, kids go to pod six one seven dot com to get started. We take care of everything for you. This is the podcast where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. We have one such great voice on the line today. He is the host of the Get It Done podcast and the founder and CEO of On Demand Storage. It's Joe Zanka on the line in the virtual studio. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I'm very happy to be here. I love the intro. I love uh everything to do with boston well i mean i I grew up here still live here so i'm excited to be on
0: oh good well that 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 is a nice little segue for the first segment that we have because we're going to hear all about uh, joe's company and joe's podcast but first of all we're going to play a round of wicked smart where joe will be presented with perplexing questions having to do with our fair city so let's play right off the bat let's play wicked smart
1: my boy's
0: wicked smart. All right, we'll start you off with an easy one. Use the word "wicked" in a sentence.
1: This is a wicked good podcast.
0: Yeah, that's right. You damn right. It's wicked. It's wicked fucking good. Okay, but the around here, the Mass Bay Transit Authority is better known by what? The T. That's right. i got to give you the the check mark there. You you didn't say MBTA. We just say T here. Get it right, people. And what are the the four major lines of the subway system are coded by what four colors?
1: We have red, green, orange, and blue.
0: That's right. Completely on a roll. Let's see. A liquor store in this area is better known as what?
1: Better known as a Packy. A Packy. I I remember going to school with a bunch of... students you know classmates of mine who were not from around here when i said that word they had no idea what i was talking about yeah that's i still call it a packy every day
0: Packy, which uh, is short for package store and i don't think anybody really knows why they're called the package stores so but that's (laughs) but get used to it if you're uh, new here a water fountain is better known by what term
1: a bubbler
0: a bubbler's right wow he is undefeated (laughs) absolutely right if you want to make a U-turn in Boston, you might say you're doing this. Pulling a Uey. Pulling a Uey. We also would have accepted banging a Uey, which sounds which sounds <laughs> profane. What are the two bridges you can take to get to Cape Cod?
1: Oh, you could take the. Oh man, why am I blanking right now? You
0: could take the. One begins with a B. The other begins with an S. Sagamore. And the born. That's right. Wow. You just needed those hints. The born and the, the Sagamore. Oh my god, the traffic over the Sagamore was horrible. A milkshake that contains ice cream is better frap. known. A uh, FRAP, that's right. Yeah. That that's another one I've had trouble explaining to people because they now in your in your expertise, what is the difference between a milkshake and a frap?
1: Well, for some reason in my head, I think of them as different things. When I associate milkshake it's like, I think I associate them with places. So I would say I would get a frap from Friendly's or Dairy Queen or, you know, Brigham's, you know, R.I.P. Brigham's. I don't know if they still have stores, right. but I would, then I would say I would get a milkshake from like Wendy's and, or like uh, Johnny Rockets or something like that. I, I think they're the same thing. Well, <laughs> I just don't I just yeah. associate them with different places.
0: At some point people were making milkshakes that actually didn't, contain ice cream that they would have just like syrup in it which doesn't sound like something you want to drink but i think you're kind of right because you know at mcdonald's they don't have ice cream in that so that's a milkshake you get your milkshake at mickey yep. d's and you get your frap from friendly's or brigham's or newport creamery what was the do you remember what the nickname was for the milkshake products at those various places friendly's had the
1: friendly's had the
0: fribble i think right
1: yeah, they had the Fribble, yep, and then and a Dairy Queen has a Blizzard, but that might be a little yeah. bit different.
0: Yeah, then there's somebody had the Awful, Awful. I forget if that's Newport Creamery. or Anyway, all right, yeah. tell me the four major sports teams in Boston but only use one syllable per team. Socks, yep.
1: Pats, mm-hmm. Bees, and Celts.
0: Yeah, we, we also would accept accepted Cs, but I'll, t- I'll seeds, take Celts. Seeds, yeah, yeah, that's good. Jimmy's go on what? Ice Cream that's right see and see i have a theory about this but first of all the term jimmy is not racist as you might think but i think of jimmy's as the as the chocolate sprinkle as chocolate sprinkles and then
1: yeah me too jimmy's is just chocolate and i think the rainbow sprinkles would be what you'd call the other one
0: yeah you you, i completely agree yeah i hope everyone's paying attention this morning because this is science this is important stuff For the final segment of Wicked Smart, I'm going to read a cryptic description of a movie set in Boston, and you tell me what the movie is, okay? Here we go. Uh, A genius who works as a janitor turns down a lucrative job offer and heads Uh, down... Goodwill hunting. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You didn't let me finish. Turns down a lucrative (laughs) job offer and heads down the road in a shitty car. That, of course, is goodwill hunting. Here's the next one. One cop is actually in the Irish mob. One member of the mob is actually a cop. At the end, everyone is dead except Marky Mark. Departed. What's that? The Departed. The Departed is right. The Departed. Marky Mark Wahlberg got nominated for an Oscar. Here we go. This is a terrible movie. Idiotic, phony Red Sox fan decides to give up his season tickets for Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Fever pitch. Fever pitch is right. Yes. It is is a terrible movie. I remember
1: having that hot take when I was in like fifth grade, I was like, that movie kind of stunk. Everyone thought it was great. Yeah. I feel like if you're not from here, you were like, what was that?
0: But also if you were from here, you were like, they, they they didn't quite get it right. The the Jimmy Fallon just didn't seem like a a Red Sox fan. I was actually, I've told the story on the pod before, so I'll shorten it, but I was at Fenway park the night they shot the sequence where, Drew Barrymore descends from the center field stands and runs across the field dodging. Really? Yeah. And at first they put on, they put out all these phony Red Sox players immediately This is immediately after a Sox game. They invited us to stick around as extras and uh, just to cheer, obviously, but, but they put out these actors who were wearing Red Sox unis, which looked funny. And then one of them had the Johnny Damon beard, and then the actual Johnny Damon emerged from the dugout and decided he was going to play, which I don't know if it was planned or not. But and yeah, that was
1: that was kind of cool, though.
0: Yeah, it was fun to be there. It was and to and yeah, they shot it three times. And then Drew Barrymore was out of breath. OK, we got three more. This is a little harder. Two strangely religious lowlife lowlifes dedicate their lives to killing everyone they think is bad.
1: Hmm. Strange religious, boondock saints.
0: That's right. Very good. Very good. All right. Journalists win the Pulitzer Prize after discovering that almost every priest in Boston is a pervert.
1: Oh, what was that movie called?
0: The movie shares the name of the feature, the name of the feature or the news team, if you will. Spotlight. We were looking for Spotlight. Spotlight. Yes. Yeah. Not too bad a movie. Michael Keaton's Boston accent. Nah, not so good. Finally. Bank robbers from Southie try to rip off Fenway Park, and they all die except Ben. The town. The town is right. Yes. Very good. Yes. Well, you did awesome. I mean, that's.
1: I thought you know I I I did I did pretty good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought you did wicked good. Yeah. You know the I, I talk about this a lot, but the the Boston accent thing in the the, the Departed is a great movie, but every time Alec Baldwin talks it it sounds so haltingly bad you know well the world the world needs plenty of bartenders and
1: not many people can get that right that one
0: yeah i I think the only non i mean Wahlberg any Wahlberg damon affleck they get it right because they've heard it they grew up around it in the town jeremy renner's was pretty good he's yeah that that guy's badass um
1: he played he played a, a great like salty or Charlestown punk.
0: <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah, and his character's name was Jem, which was perfect. It's like, yeah, well, when I was a kid, the teacher would say, yeah, that guy's a real gem." So the podcast is the Get It Done podcast, and I was joking with Joe before we started recording that he's recorded about 8,000 episodes of this podcast. He is one. He is probably the most prolific podcaster in Boston, and <laughs> tell us, before we get to your bit, just tell us your inspiration for that and how it's gone so far.
1: Yeah, well, I I decided to do a podcast back in October of 2020. And I've, to your point, I've done over 100 since that time. So I kind of dove in headfirst. Now, the inspiration of it was originally to, for myself personally, put out more content and to continue to network, you know, at a time that became difficult during COVID. I mean, it was tough to go meet people. So, you know, how else are you going to do it? People are busy, they don't really respond to all the cold email, cold calls anymore. So I figured, hey, I'd invite them on a show and get to meet them that way. So I started doing it. I started doing it with my own network of people to, you know, regroup and just get it off the ground and, and work out the kinks. And then it's spiderwebbed into what it is today. So today, the whole premise of the podcast is to talk about entrepreneurship, being a business owner, or you know, an executive at a company and talk, tell a story about how you got there what your journey was like, and then talk to us about what, you know, what it's like being in a position like that and and what the difficulties are and what the rewarding aspects are, you know, what your vision is on where you're going with it. And I like to think now, you know, I like to have a purpose for what I do. And so today I think that the purpose of what I'm doing is, you know, a lot of people are looking for these answers. A lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, Hey, how do I make this entrepreneurial leap? Well, What i found is that everyone kind of has different stories. You know, I mean, there's similarities that cross over, but there's a lot of different ways that people got into what they do. And if I could provide a platform where people can go and look to see where, you know, how certain people got to where they were, how they were able to do what they do, I think it could be really good motivation for people to make that leap or to continue on the path of being, you know, a CEO or president of a company if they want to by hearing about how others did it and knowing and giving them the confidence that they can do it too. So I like to think that I'm asking these people all the questions that others want to ask them. And I just don't have the opportunity to, and then providing a way for them to come back and listen. So that's what I'm doing now.
0: You've already hit upon what I tell my podcasters all the time is you have a powerful device for networking and for making relationships and building relationships because not only is it, as you point out, easier to invite someone onto a show than it is to ask them. I mean, during the, for the last, you know, 13 months, it's been impossible to ask someone to go grab a cup of coffee or go grab a drink or lunch. So there's that, but also, you know, separate and apart from pandemic issues, you're actually creating something for them. So they get a a takeaway right? They get their episode, you know, the episode sounded great, Mr. Definitely. Guest. And here you go. So, but I think you said it's also, it's allowed you to connect with people that you would, that, that you haven't even seen them. You haven't met them. And so meeting new people, right?
1: I would say 90% of the people I've talked to on my show, I've never met in person. I met them over something like zoom and on my podcast. And then, you know, we've end up doing business together or doing something like that after, but yeah, I feel like you pointed out a good, I mean, it's it goes even deeper than like um, going out to lunch with somebody or meeting someone for a beer. You know, what I mean, I've like it's funny because I've gone out to lunch with hundreds of people in my life. You know, for business or just personal, just friends, whatever it may be, family. Gone and grabbed a beer with you know probably in similar amounts, but you know, there's only so many people you've created a podcast with, and I've created a podcast with over hundred people, but a lot of the people I have on my show have only created one podcast with one person and it's me. Mm-hmm. So they look at it like this special thing, which it is, you know, I do too, but inherently it just gives, it, it builds this bond that it's like, you know, now you know, we trust each other. We know who each other are. We know that, you know, there's nothing malicious behind what we're trying to do here. It's just, Hey, I want to have you on the show. I want to talk to you. And, and then after it, You know, it's like, if there's opportunity to do work together, you know, great. But even if not, like you said, they have, now they have content, you have content, we can share those things. We can get access to each other's networks now too. You know what I mean? If you share and tag me on LinkedIn, well, now I have access to anybody that follows you or comments on the the post or whatever it may be. So it really is a cool, powerful networking tool that, you know, you're not filming, you two people go out to lunch and Adam. have a conversation. So I don't know. I, I've just, I've been shocked by like how much, how many doors it could open and how many cool things you can do with something as simple as hopping on a zoom call and, and sharing thoughts.
0: Yeah. And I should, I, I'm going to take all this down because you're making my pitch for me here, Joe, about the the podcasting love, but it's in, for lack of a better word, it's an intimate arena because it's just, it's the two of you. And I think it's kind of flattering to the guests because they are being asked to tell their story. You know, you're bringing them on saying, hey, just I I want to hear what you do and how you got here. Have people responded? Well, tell me about the way your interviews have gone, because, I mean, I always aspire to make it a conversation and not an interview. Are most people warm to that or do you ever get someone who's kind of um, (laughs) giving you the one word answers or whatnot?
1: Well, I've had a couple episodes that, you know, I like to try to run my show at about a 30 minute clip Mm -hmm. is what I aim for, 25, 30 minutes. Sometimes it goes to 45, sometimes. And then, you know, the 45 ones though are typically good. You know, we get deep into a conversation, we lose track of time. I've had some that have gone like 11 minutes and and those people (laughs) just like, they either aren't open to it as much or they don't understand kind of what we're aiming to do with it. So you know, I ask them a question and, and they answer it in a very simple form. And it just, you know, it's, it can be a little bit like pulling teeth. But I would say that, you know, 99% of them have gone really well in the sense of we can turn it into a conversation. You know, I like to have a template of questions that I can like refer back to if there's ever a pause. But at the end of the day, I like to ask things that are engaging. I'm still trying to get better at that, too. You know, what I mean, like uh, making it more of a personal type of finding out more about the person that I have on before they come on and, and finding out more about what they want to talk about before I come on. I think that's kind of like going to be season two's premise mm-hmm. a little more, but no, at the end of the day, people enjoy it. And people, I like to ask them questions that are easy for them to answer, which is, I think makes it a lot better of a conversation.
0: That's I think one of the keys is what you just said is make it a better conversation and you can, you, you know, you have some template questions and I think you said it well. It, it sounds like you're saying those are just to fall back on. You know, you, if you're going to a networking meeting and you're going to talk to someone about what they do and what you do, you might, you're going to do some prep before that meeting maybe to find out a few things about the person. But can you imagine sitting down with someone at a Starbucks and taking out 10 questions and start asking them the questions? <laughs> I mean, they'd be like, what the hell are you doing, right? And so, right, so right. I mean, and the other thing is it's, it's a good lesson is to just don't forget about how important it is to listen to what the person's saying. Because if you're looking down at your notes trying to think of what your next question is, you might miss something really great. I, I actually just started taking an improv comedy class, if you can believe that, As a way to sharpen my podcasting skills, because the, one of the principles of improv comedy is you have to listen to what the last person said, and then you're supposed to advance things. So the buzz, the the phrase that they use is yes. And so if someone says, Oh my God, it's raining bananas, you know, you have to come up and you have to say, Yes. And I can't believe we're out of ice cream because I wanted to make banana splits. You know, just some, you, you, as silly as that person's premise before yep. is you got to pick up on it and advance it. So tell me your personal ride. You, are, you founded On Demand Storage. Let's start there. Tell me a little bit about your, what your company does.
1: Yeah, sure. So I started on-demand storage about four and a half years ago with two guys I graduated college with. When we were in college, we started doing storage for our classmates who were from far away. So we went to Babson, which is out in Wellesley, and we started doing storage for students who- Wait, wait.
0: Go Beavers? Beavers? Go Beavers. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we, the three of us played baseball there. And then we started doing storage for students who were coming from international countries or, you know, traveling from California, Texas, even New York to come to school. Uh, They had nowhere to put their stuff at the end of the year. So, I mean, they'd have this dorm room full of things. It would be a high pressure time of year with their finals and, you know, all this stuff going on. And then all of a sudden the day comes and they have to leave. And so their options are really limited on so, uh, what they can do with actually the rest of their stuff, you know, outside of what they want to take home, which might be a few things have closed. So we provided the service that does storage for them. And then, you know, we did that for a couple of years and then we found it on-demand storage, which still to this day is I think one of the top student storage companies that you could find in America. We do work all around the country, but um, locally we provide what we like to call full service storage solutions. So if someone, you know, is in need of downsizing their home or they they want to, you know, realtors who want to get a home staged for the house they're about to sell, you know, the client they're about to sell. Or maybe you just have a cluttered garage that, you know, you can't even park a car in because there's so much stuff. On-demand storage will come to your house. will pick up anything that you want to put in storage with our trucks and, you know, experienced laborers. We'll put it in storage for you, fully inventoried. And then if you ever want anything back, we have the ability to return it to your old destination or any new destination, or even oftentimes we find ourselves shipping things, even domestically or internationally to people if they travel and uh, and need something that they put in storage. So we try to make storage as convenient and easy for our customers as possible, because again, the alternatives that exist out there, you know, aren't always what people are looking for. Self-storage is a great business, but it's it's an inconvenient business a lot of the time. You know what I mean? It requires you to rent a truck, find someone in your family or friends to help you move everything into the unit yourself and then go dig through the unit whenever you need anything. We take all that hassle away by providing full service storage.
0: Did the pandemic change your business at all?
1: The pandemic, from a residential and commercial standpoint, when um, it first started, it definitely changed. People weren't leaving their homes. People weren't, you know, businesses just evacuated their office. So they weren't, you know, in, in need of much storage. But from a student standpoint, it was funny. We were fortunate that we were ready when that happened. Like we had all our ducks in a row operationally. So we were able to adjust to, you know, students normally get out of school in May, they got out, they were sent home and didn't come back in March. So we had to adjust our timeline for students. But over the course of the pandemic, we've made a lot of new relationships with colleges and universities who were in need of someone to come help them. You know, a lot of these these schools were on spring break when this happened. And mm. so they just didn't return from spring break. Right. So every student left all of their items in the cl- in their dorm room and they couldn't go back and get them. Right. So we were, like I said, operationally ready. We were able to, you know, we were being reached out to by a number of different universities and schools. And we were able to assist them in packing up those dorm rooms on behalf of the students, either storing their stuff or shipping the stuff home to the students. So, and then once it got into the summertime and, and late 2020, you know, the world started to pick up a little bit more and moving and, you know, businesses started to open. And so that part of our business did come back. But yeah, I mean, the pandemic, you know, we're fortunate enough that I think we benefited a little bit from it. We got to make a lot of new relationships. And it also helped me form the podcast too, because, you know, I had never used Zoom before something like COVID. And and then I realized how powerful of a tool it can be. And, and that's what I film my podcast on too. So, Yeah, some good things came from it in the sense that I think if you're opportunistic in a lot of ways, you can turn a situation like that into something positive, which we've been trying to focus on since day one.
0: For sure. And you can find more about on demand storage at ondemandstorage.com. What about the rumors, Joe, that your company was actually inspired by the reality T V show Storage Wars? Is that is there anything is there truth to that? No. (laughs) Have you seen that show? Have you seen that show?
1: I have seen that show. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's, I think it's hilarious, but so that has a lot to do with the self-storage um, world, right. which is, you know, they open up those storage units. We provide, we store everything in, in warehouses, you know what I mean? So we have warehouses around. So the the customer doesn't have, or customers don't have access to other customers items with our company, but yeah, man, those are crazy. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. I've seen it firsthand. Like I can relate to the crazy things that people actually put into storage you know some people like yeah. I, I sometimes you know i don't want to say that but like I, I think to myself as a business owner i'm like you know is it worth storing that but
0: <laughs> right at
1: the end of the day I, yeah uh, i don't mind that they do
0: god bless the the hoarders uh, of for, for your per <laughs> for your purposes yeah there was one there's one episode of storage wars i think they tried to spin off like storage wars texas or something and they opened the the locker And for those that haven't seen the show, the show's been around for a long time, but it's just a reality show about people who show up to these auctions when there's the occasion where the the person hasn't paid their bill or they've disappeared or whatever, and these things are up for auction, and they find these hidden treasures. One time they opened it up, though, and there's just a bunch of equipment that appeared to be a meth lab. And, and some guy like quickly bid 500 bucks, grabbed the stuff and literally like ran off. <laughs> so it's like, maybe, maybe that wasn't, I don't think that episode ever aired again. I think it sent the Jack wrong plot, message. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So again, it's ondemandstorage.com. I take it that's the best way for people to get in touch. with you and find out more about the company? Yeah,
1: ondemandstorage.com has all the information that they need about storage And then you can reach me directly at joe at ondemandstorage.com, which is simple, or on LinkedIn, you know, Joe Zanka on LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot me a message. And, you know, I'm always on LinkedIn trying to post my podcasts and learn from what other people are doing. So that's a good way to get in touch with me personally.
0: And find the podcast, the Get It Done with Joe Zanka, find that on all the major podcast platforms, also on YouTube. So
1: yeah, YouTube, yep. YouTube's most up to date, which is something that I feel like I need to change going forward. But at the end of the day, you know, I do have YouTube most up to date, trying to get those audio files coming in. But. Well, That's something that, that you and I are going to talk about yes.
0: a little bit later. <laughs> and, well, you hopefully you came to the right place. But yes, I realize you've got this backlog of shows, which is a luxury most podcasters don't have. Before we go, I'm going to try to persuade Joe to play a quick round of good stuff. He's completely unprepared for this. So the way this works, Joe, is both you and I recommend something good to our listeners that maybe they should watch or consume. So it could be something good you've seen on TV recently or a good book you read or an app or a recipe or anything good. Doesn't have to do with your business. I'll give you, I'll, I'll stall vent for a minute here to, and give you time to think of one, Joe. When I tell people about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network, pod com is where you go. If you want your own podcast, you could, just like Joe did, create a vehicle for reaching your network in this new, innovative way. You can. Take advantage of our quality microphones that we provide. We do everything for you. We will edit the thing. We will do your intro music and outro music, whether you want to record it remotely or come to our Westwood Mass Studios, which are open for business. Once again, thank goodness. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. All right, let's play good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right. Joe, if you want some extra time, I can go first.
1: You go first. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'll go first. I need an exam.
0: Okay, that's fine. Uh, so, just recently caught the Netflix documentary about the college admissions scandal. It's called Operation Varsity Blues, the college admissions scandal. You've heard about this thing, how parents paid off various people, including college officials and coaches, to get their kids into school. And I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer here so you get a a flavor for it and then I'll, I'll let you know how it was all of our friends are only talking about one thing and it's this story an fbi investigation called operation varsity blues usc ucla Bank. and rick singer
1: the mastermind behind the entire operation is
0: there any risk that this thing blows up in my face hey rick hey there is this a good time Yeah, yeah, it's good for me. Rick, I had a question for you. It's just you and me. Is that kosher? Absolutely. I just wanted you to walk me through the whole thing again and how it works. We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. So I've done 761 what I would call side doors. The front door means getting in on your own. (laughs) So I've created this kind of side door in because my family's. guarantee. There so, aren't many federal cases where you have 50 people indicted. All right. For- so I'll take it down now. Cause that's enough of a flavor of it. But have you seen this yet, Joe? I,
1: I haven't watched it. No, I've yeah. heard all about it, but I have not watched the documentary.
0: Yeah. So they did something weird because if you might've noticed from the trailer that those, some of the people talking weren't the actual people involved. So right. they, they right. actually hired actors and they hired, Matthew Modine to portray Rick Singer the the main figure of this scandal so for a minute you got to get used to the fact that Loudon Swain from Vision Quest is in this documentary for some reason and but but it actually works because what they do is they use a lot of the recorded uh, phone calls and everything and they have Matthew Modine recreate those calls so it's it's great because it fills in a lot of the gaps you might not have known about the story. It sort of answers the questions as to why, like, why would you do this? You know, you're Lori Laughlin, your Aunt Becky from Full House, and you want your kid to get into Stanford so bad that you pretend that she's uh, a coxswain on the crew team. And so it's, yeah, yeah. And so. Now,
1: what is the actual, just if you can fill me in quick, like. Mm-hmm obviously you can find, I mean, is it fraud that they're being indicted on? Is that like basically in a... Yeah,
0: you know, that's a good question. I, I, Off the top of my head, I don't know what the actual charges were, but yeah, I mean, bribery is a crime. It might not be the, that might not be the letter of the law term for it, but to and a lot of these, some of it might've been even bribing a public official since some of these school employees might've been state employees. And they, what they did in the case was they went after... He he actually might have thought Rick Singer is or was a college consultant, and you heard his voice saying, well, this is the way it works. You know, you give the money and then you get in, and my clients want a guarantee. And so he would guarantee that by creating this false persona for the kid that they actually were a water polo player. He picked a lot of the obscure sports because otherwise it would have been noticed quicker and, but would actually Photoshop these things so that the kid looks like a water polo player. Just, yeah, it's He was kind of like an an evil genius and got away with it for a long time. And I think people maybe wrote it off as, well, that's just the way it works. You know, money is King and, but as he points out, you know, you could give $3 million to Cornell and then your kid still doesn't get in. And then, like, what the hell, right? So yeah. so, so that's why he created this thing. And so he actually, his legal fate is still undetermined. They used him as an informant. I'm not giving anything away, but the, they used him as an informant to get some of these, the, the colleges busted and to get some of the parents busted. So, and it's, yeah, kind of,
1: I had heard that there was even like a guy who initiated that whole thing. Like, you know I mean? There was a guy who got indicted for something separate and in order to get out of that or get like a lesser case, he gave away Rick yeah. and he was like, Hey, I'll, yeah, uh, that, you know, I, I don't have much on the, what I can, you know, what I did or what I'm saying, but like, I'll give you this. Yeah. And what, that's they started even looking into it.
0: Right. You're absolutely right. That's the way he got, exposed by an informant who was making a deal to escape on something complete some white collar crime that was completely unrelated to this college thing which is scary because he could if not for that circumstance he could still be doing this you know probably so, yeah 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 so do you have something to recommend to our listeners joe
1: well something that i've can i do something that i've like heard about recently yeah I sure it was pretty So I do a lot of podcasts and network a lot with moving companies. And I recently learned about a thing called the move for hunger. And it's, I don't know, I just, it kind of took me back a little bit. It was pretty cool. It's an organization that when someone's moving out of their home, if they have non-perishable food, the moving company will, will put that in a separate truck and bring it to local food banks or organizations that give out that food. So a lot of the times around holidays, they have bigger organizations where they'll like, you know, use their trucks to give out turkeys around Thanksgiving or hams around Easter, whatever it may be. But you know, I just thought that was such a cool initiative. I think they're feeding like upwards of hundreds of thousands of families with these types of initiatives, the companies that are involved. So I thought that was something really cool that I've heard recently, because I hadn't, you know, my company wasn't involved in doing it. But you know, now I think it's, you know, amazing. And I always try to do what I can to give back. So, you know, I, I was excited to hear that something like that exists. I was excited to, you know, you think about it, like people who are moving from one place to another. I mean, I feel like typically, that would be stuff that they would just throw out, you know, they'll go back and get new, perishable like canned goods but you know this organization is taking all of those that are going to be stocked in cabinets and, and just giving it to people who are actually in need of it and I feel like now more than ever there might be more people that are in need of stuff like that so Ooh. that was something great that I've heard recently that I didn't know about
0: that's a great suggestion and I know that obviously close to your world but talk about an idea just it must have started just by someone who was moving and realized, every time you move, you throw away a bunch of stuff, you know, sometimes you leave the canned goods behind. Sometimes you leave the, you know, the Bisquick mix behind that you'd never opened, you know? And so must've noticed that, you know, this could be going to something good. So yeah, what, geez, what a great idea. Moveforhunger.org is the website. If you want to find out about it, I just called it up here. So that's an excellent one. So
1: yeah, I thought that was cool. I think a lot of people are moving now, you know, and especially now that the, restrictions are lifting. The real estate market's crazy. So if you're moving out there, if you're planning to move or moving soon, you know, think about that organization, talk to the moving company that you hire, you know, feel free to give us a call. We're joining, we're going to be linking up. So we'd be more than happy to try to take care of those things. But yeah, no, I thought that was great. I thought that was a great idea.
0: And once again, I remind people, ondemandstorages.com, ondemandstorages.com is Joe's company. And yeah, but do the move for hunger thing because Joe is okay without you having you don't he doesn't need to store your leftover ketchup and flour sure. and brown sugar that you have in the back of the cabinet. Uh, so you're willing to get give-
1: some kids store the funniest thing i did, the first year we did student storage there were kids that would store cereal from like like an open box of cereal that they thought that they were going to put in a bin and then have that cereal hopefully when they get back to school four months later yeah People store crazy stuff
0: yeah yeah <laughs> your your poor employees are trying to just move a box and all of a sudden they're covered with rice krispies we don't need that people we don't need that thanks so much joe zanka you're an awesome sport i hope you had a good time
1: yeah this is great dave this is awesome i really like what you do and i like the segments they were fun so thank you for having
0: me you got it bud a reminder that if you like this podcast subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. leave a review if you dig it or even if you don't leave us a review we like the attention and if you want your own podcast go to pod617.com to get started on behalf of joe zanka he's a braintree womp right a womp you're a womp 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 for life and a true bostonian on behalf of joe my name is dave i'm just a guy from boston and if you're not from boston you must be the other guy have a great day everybody